0: This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in New Zealand. You can email us at contact at aeanz.org. First Friday of the month, and it is a speaker meeting, and um, tonight we're going to welcome Lena. Thanks, Carla. My name's Lena, I'm addicted to food. Hello, it's good to be here. My heart's going a bit like a clapper, so I'll just make a start. Yeah, I. Where do I start? Um, I. My story started in England. I um, grew up in Somerset, and I was the youngest of three girls. And my parents were teachers. And in our house, um, food was always readily available. You know, my parents didn't have restrictions like I've heard some people talk about here. Um, The idea was that, um, you know, it was just available and you'd eat, and if you had enough, you'd stop. Um, So that was great for me. And, yeah, I don't remember when I was a very young child, but um, from when I remember, I absolutely loved food. And um, my when I was about eight years old, my mum bundled us in a car and said we were going swimming. And I didn't know what was going on. And it turned out we were running away from my dad. Um, He'd been violent for much of my life, and I never knew. And I remember sitting in the car and feeling terrified. And then later on, thinking it was all my fault. And then thinking they should have told me, you know, and um, just so very clearly it all being about me and yeah, you know, that feeling continued for many years and that fear for me continued for many years and um, yeah, I always thought it was about that but I have learned since that other people have gone through trauma and they didn't do the things I did, so yeah. Um, so. What happened? So for me, I yeah, I was always interested in food, and I wanted to eat. Um, and yeah, when I went to birthday parties and things, I was always interested in the food, and I would try and make birthday parties about the food and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we were all kind of like that in my family, so I don't remember thinking this is weird or anything. Um, The first time I think I probably noticed something different was when I was I think about 12 and I went to a wedding and we were wearing these handmade dresses and one of our relatives said I look quite fat and um, I was absolutely mortified you know I was just like oh my god you know I never thought of myself like that and um, you know then I was you know more aware. quite nervous with public speaking, so there might be a few pauses, um, yeah, so, So yeah, um, I, yeah, the ironic thing is that I actually used to want to be an actor, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it now, because it's gone the other way, but, um, you know, all that bravado came from my addiction, I realise now. Um, you know, for me, the food turned into alcohol and, um, you know, for me, sex was a big problem as well. It actually came before alcohol, um, from about the age of 12, and um, for me, it was just more of that wanting to fit in, wanting to find a place in the world, um, which I, I know now comes, you know, from the addiction, and, um, you know, I just couldn't stop, I was incredibly promiscuous and found myself walking home in the middle of the night from strangers houses all the time and um, you know feeling absolutely rotten and dirty and horrible but I just still couldn't stop doing it. And um, yeah when I was probably about 13 or something I started drinking and that was great because when I was drinking I would throw up and all the food was gone Not long after that, I started taking drugs and started with marijuana and ecstasy pills and speed. And for me, I absolutely loved it because it took me out of the world. You know, I really loved things that would take me away. And um, I used to be very good at English um, because I would write these really long stories, these sort of stories about the world, and I would take myself off in a corner away from all the other kids and write these stories. And I absolutely loved it. And I didn't want to talk to anyone, you know, just no one come near me. Um, but yeah, when I went to secondary school, I was doing that still and I remember I wrote this one story actually about my family life. And it was probably the first real thing I'd ever written and I wrote this story all about violence and feeling terrified every time I left the house and all of that stuff and I got this award for it. And then I was a bit jealous, I think, and said some stuff, and I was like, right, I'm not going not gonna to bother anymore, you know, because I just wanted to be liked. I always wanted to be liked by everyone, and um, so, you know, the alcohol came quite quickly after that, and, you know, I wasn't concentrating at school, and, um, yeah, I just wanted to fit in, so I was... Drinking all the time, going away from school, um, writing notes, forging notes from my mum saying that I was sick, um, smoking, smoking like absolutely loads, just couldn't stop, picking up cigarette butts from the floor, rolling them up, um, going and there used to be a, an area of our town that was where you know, sort of like the rough area or something. And um, so I used to go down there and take drugs and this is about the age of 14 or something. Um, And I never thought of it then but I look look at children now and I think that's very young, you know, that was a young age. Um, But for me the addiction just went down really quickly, you know, everything just snowballed really, really quickly. You know at that time I don't remember the food being as much of a problem because you know I was just on drugs all the time and um, when I was on those drugs I couldn't eat Um, so I would not eat and I wouldn't get overweight Um, but then when I came down from the drugs I would binge so yes I suppose you know it was a problem but I wasn't thinking of it that way. And um, my parents were really worried about me. They um, didn't know what to do, but I think they also didn't want to seek help because they were worried I'd be taken away. Because um, everything was a secret, nobody knew about the violence or anything like that. Um, and I remember meeting, sitting down with one of my sister's friends who was religious, she was quite strongly Christian. and. Um, she was an absolutely lovely, lovely woman. She was really, really nice and kind. Um, but her parent, there was problems with her parents as well. And so I completely judged her religion on what was going on with her parents. And I thought, you know, that's what that religion does. And I remember her sitting me down, her saying, you know, how about you try this? You know, how about you try this you know, um, religion that she was in and just completely scoffing and, you know, putting her down and just thinking I don't need that, you know, I just don't need what you've got. Even though I could see that both of my sisters had tried it and they were serene and they were peaceful. Um, I knew there was something wrong with my life but I thought it was all the things in my life rather than the addiction and what was going on inside. Um, So things kept changing, I went from one secondary school because I was quite badly bullied, Um, so I moved schools and um, you know I thought this will be different and uh, you know just the addiction was still there and it got worse and you know I met those people that did did those things and I remember there being normal people at that school. I, I had one friend that was normal when I went to the school and she was really lovely and meeting people that drank and took drugs and, and also did crazy things with food and I just felt at home with them and I suddenly just didn't feel at home with my friend, my other friend and I could see that they would do things like go to after school clubs and have hobbies and things like that and. I just couldn't imagine doing things like that, I just I just couldn't put myself in that place. Like, I couldn't manage to get to school on time, I used to miss the bus all the time. My clothes were dirty, um, you know, my, my clothes stank, cigarettes all the time, I was just a mess, you know, at the age of 15, and I just couldn't pull it together. Um, And I remember I had this one friend who, she used to do this thing where she would eat one bread roll a day, and I had another friend who was bulimic, and I used to look at them and think, oh, wish I could do that, you know, just have that, and that would be enough. Um, You know, and that's how crazy my thinking was, that I would look at someone who, you know, was throwing up in a really bad way, and, and, you know, that's what I want. Um, but yeah, my life went on like that and, um, you know, it just got worse really, it got worse and worse. And I went to university and I remember then feeling very different because there was lots, lots of people there and there was lots more normal people. <laughs> and um, I remember so very clearly that people were very good with their money. And I, I met this one girl and she had saved up all this money to go to uni and she didn't have a loan and all of this stuff and I was just like, just couldn't understand it because the money was also bad for me and I got full loan, got money from my parents, got a credit card, got an overdraft, everything, um, as much as I could get. And because the money was another addiction for me, you know, i just spend it and think I'd feel better and then feel dirty and disgusting. Yeah. Just like with the food, just like I would, you know, if I'd binge on food and that feeling afterwards of disgust. Um, so when I was at uni, I discovered dieting properly. Um, I think somebody told me about a particular diet that you could do where you only ate certain things and you got thin really quickly tried it and it worked and I thought this is great. Um, So I used to do it for two days or something before we'd go out drinking and I'd lose all this weight and then I'd drink and then I'd binge Um, and this went over and over. And then my life was just so unmanageable because I thought I had it together but the drinking was massive so I was doing all this dieting. And when I was dieting, I was mad, because <laughs> I couldn't have the food. And so anyone get near me, just watch out, because <laughs> I was just really aggressive. Um, so then I got pregnant when I was at university with my ex-boyfriend um, in my unmanageable life and had abortion. Um, and that affected me really badly. And I still can see how unmanageable it was. And so I carried on and I lied to my lecturers and said the reason I wasn't at my lectures was because of the abortion, which wasn't true, it was because I was drinking all the time. Um, so I kept going and then, in my third year of university, I had another abortion um, when I got pregnant from a complete stranger after going out clubbing. And um, you know, I remember telling my sister and her just laughing because she was just like she just couldn't believe it. She was just like, this is ridiculous. And just feeling really offended, you know, and not realizing, you know, look at where you are Leila, look at what's happened. And you know, I remember I met this one man who was lovely and I was completely obsessed with him at the time, who was in AA. And you know, I remember at the time thinking, why is he telling me this? But he sat down and he got sober and he told me all about his drinking and he did this thing where he would rip women off, you know, it was his thing that he did when he was drinking and he told me how he used to do that and he didn't do it anymore and his whole story and he just, this, this thing shone out of him, you know, he just had sobriety really um, but I still didn't know why he was telling me this. <laughs> and yeah, so I had my first 12 step over that, but it, you know, it didn't wash. And so then I moved to New Zealand because things were going to be different. You know, so many geographicals, I was always moving, trying to start again and trying to do things differently. And so I moved to New Zealand and got a job in a bar and the drinking was bad and the food was worse as well. Um, I'd got to the point where, you know, it took a lot to get drunk, um, so I got myself into some real messes and my job asked me to leave um, because I got really drunk and ended up nearly fighting with this girl. Um, so I stopped drinking and I went to AA, but then I thought I could do it on my own. So I had a year after that without AA meetings, and the food just got so bad, like I was just binging all the time, and I had this job in a bakery, this really gourmet cool bakery in Wellington, and um, I, my part of the job was that I would clean the cafe up at the end, and I got to take everything home. So I would have this bin bag full of cakes and bread and stuff. and. Um, you know, I was like, "This is great," you know. Um, but then I would take it home, and I would binge on it, and I felt so disgusting. And I remember that the people at the workplace never ate food because they were just completely sick of it. And so I would try not to eat the food, and I would eat, eat it. But then I would I wouldn't eat that much, but I would take the bin back home and eat that. Um, and one time, I remember putting it in the bin, because I was like, I just, mm, I can't do it. And putting it in the bin and then wanting to take it out again, and it was a public bin. And feeling like, oh, this is gross, you know. Um, so, I didn't know what was going on, it was just all crazy. And I was being really horrible to my family. I, what I did was, when I went to AA, I blamed them for everything because I know now that I wasn't sober. And so rather than other people who were moving on, sober, making amends, you know, making a different life for themselves, I was still addicted to the food. So I was full of resentment. So I blamed them, I thought it was all their fault, all the things that had happened. But then I'd run out of money, and I'd run back to them and ask them for money, after I'd been really rude to them. And it was about that time that my my nan got really sick, um, and my mum was really suffering. She was back in England, so they were basically, that's horrible to say, but waiting for her to die. And so my mum was in a really bad way, and my uncle was being quite difficult. And I was just couldn't stop thinking about myself. I got to the point where I just. Couldn't think of anything else about my, uh, than myself, and um, you know I know now that's the disease, and my man died, and you know that's one great regret I have to say that I was so horrible um, at that time, and I have made amends to my man for that. Um, so then I thought I'm going to change my life again. <laughs> and become a makeup artist because I always had all these different ideas of what I was going to be and I found this course in Christchurch and I'd never been to Christchurch and people I knew had said quite negative things about it and so I thought i would take a holiday to Christchurch to see what it's like and so I went came down here about Christmas time stopped in uh, Kaikoura Um, and it was New Year's Eve that's right it was New Year's Eve and I thought, oh, I'll have a lovely time in Kaikoura if new leave. Bought all this food, went to my motel, I think it was, and just binged on this food. And I was just so sad. And I remember just eating and crying, eating and crying. And I'd meant to go out for a meal, but I just couldn't face it. I couldn't face anyone. And went down, signed up for this course. I was like, right, I'm gone. I'm going to go. Within a week or something I'd gone and <clears throat> to this city that I had no idea about, absolutely nothing, and started doing this makeup course and I was just obsessed with the food, I just wanted it all the time. And I was saying to someone here the other day, I was doing these makeups on these poor girls and just thinking about food, you know, and hardly talking to them. You know, I know now that being a, doing makeup or being a hairdresser, you have to be quite good at talking to people. And I just I just didn't talk to them, I was just you know and then I would have a break and I'd binge on this food and then it was awful. I've had to make amends to those girls. And I started going back to AA because I realised I just this is just awful. And I asked someone to be my sponsor in AA who's in this room at the time. And I remember sitting down with her with lunch, and she was telling me her story. And I had my lunch and a piece of chocolate cake. And she was telling me her story, and because she came here, I had stuff about food. And she talked about going to an all-you-can-eat buffet and just eating all the stuff, you know. And I was like, oh, my gosh. She knows. She knows what I'm like. You know, the chocolate cake was like, You know, in my mind it was, like, massive, you know. (laughs) It was the focal thing on my lap. And, I, you know, I think she talked not long after that about going to a a meeting, you know, for food addiction. And I went to that meeting, it was in Latimer Square, and people were talking about their husbands and things that happened and not really talking about food, but they were just so calm and relaxed and happy. I just couldn't, I was just blown away, completely blown away. And my heart was racing like you wouldn't believe. And my face was aching from pretending everything was alright. And it was just awful. And I I was living in this flat where I was eating my flatmate's kids' food, because I've eaten all my own food. Um, And I was still pretending that everything was okay. But here was a place that people talked about eating frozen food and vomiting and other addictions as well, you know, that that they had. So it was amazing. It was really amazing. And even though I thought it wasn't as bad, I kept coming and I've kept coming to this day. Um, You know, I've never had a big break from meetings, even when I might have been a bit mental. (laughs) Um, Because it's nowhere else. There's nowhere else for me, and I never imagined I would be coming to a fellowship for food addiction. Um, You know, there was a point that I thought, yeah, the drugs are bad, and I decided I would stop when I moved to New Zealand, but, you know, the food uh, I wouldn't have have identified. Um, And I was really ashamed, and I didn't believe I was as bad, so I did do more eating, and um, you know, for me, it did take a while to get completely sober and, you know, surrender to this program, but I kept coming. And, you know, I remember people talked about praying, getting on their knees, and I was like, oh my gosh, i spent my life, you know, trying to, trying to prove there's no God, you know. Um, so, and I was so embarrassed, and I thought, what well, if people from home will find out? Because I really went on about it. I was awful. But I didn't know what else to do, and so I found myself praying, and um, especially after I picked up the first time, it was terrifying. Um, you know, and something happened. You know, I remember being on a food plan at the beginning. I hope I'm not going to move on. Tell me if I go already. Um, and I remember being on a food plan at that time and not eating, and it was just amazing. It was like, than any drug I've ever had. <laughs> you know, I remember lying in my bed and just feeling really clean. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, so yeah, um, I've kept coming, and you know, my family know that I come here, and they know that this is what's most important in my life, and. I think even though it's taken them a long while to accept it, they're grateful, they are grateful that um, it's not like it was because it was pretty horrible. Um, and I remember when I came here and telling my mum and she said to me, you know, Lola, we never knew what we were going to get. Um, you know, one minute you were happy and then you were sad. and." They never knew and I always hid it. You know, I remember when I felt sad and I would go up to my room and I would cry into my pillows so that nobody could hear. And I was on the third floor, <laughs> like no one was going to hear. Um, and I used to self-harm, that was a big other thing for me. Because um, I couldn't talk to people about how I really felt inside. Um, and my parents were really worried about that. Um, But it's all got better. It's all got better and I've been able to become a grown up and in the last few years I've learned to drive. Um, I've been in my job for, I've been in my organisation for almost six years, which is an absolute miracle because I always left when things got bad. Um, And when things are bad I say sorry I even try and say sorry too much. (laughs) I tell my sponsor and she says (laughs) later, because, you know, I just, yeah, I'm terrified of, you know, going back into those resentments, but it's better and, you know, I'm so grateful for all the people here because I do feel like it's not just God and the steps and, you know, without my sponsor, it's the people here as well that have looked after me when I've had my friend. so I'll keep coming, thank you.